Welcome to the Association Hub podcast, a bite-sized series of weekly inspiration designed to keep curious association professionals inspired. Our topics will cover everything from membership growth to online communities, technology and sponsorship and beyond that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Association Hub podcast. I'm Angela Shelton, and with me today is my co-host, Alina Lima. Alina, we're about to embark on a very special journey today into the world of board leadership with a profound sense of purpose. If you work in the association sector, and if you're listening to this podcast, most likely you are, you know how important the board leadership is. And we know board from professional sense, and some of the boards are established as we have some associations celebrating their 100 years. But at the same time, within my 15 years of in the sector, I've seen quite extraordinary things with, you know, a few people coming together for good cause and to lead the industry, to set up the new standards in the industry, worrying about people's experiences and, and standards and all this. So the board when People come together, with passionate people come together and form a voluntarily board, they can really change the world. So I'm very excited about our guest today and about the story that we're about to hear today and about our guest perspectives on board leadership and her story is absolutely ex- exceptional. Mm-hmm. It really is. And look, I'm really, really honored to have had Laura Boss join us for this conversation. But I thought before we delve into this discussion, I should probably take a moment to set the stage for our listeners. So Laura's story is not only compelling, but also relatable to many professionals out there. She's not just an executive, but also a dedicated board member herself. And Angela, you and I both know that balancing the demanding day job with board duties, which is often voluntarily, is not a small thing. Mm, you're absolutely right. And Laura Boss serves as the general manager at Community Strata Queensland, where her leadership shines through the day, but she didn't stop there. She's driven with purpose. So when the Small Steps for Hannah Foundation was created three years ago, she was tapped on the shoulder to come on board as a founding board member and a chair of Small Steps for Hannah. You know, and their mission is deeply personal and driven by a sense of purpose. And that's exactly what I meant, how board can change community life, our personal life and touch so many aspects. And it's this dedication and passion for leadership and community service that makes Laura's journey so inspiring. And for our listeners, especially those executives who have pondered the idea of joining a board, this is the perfect episode to tune in. Oh my gosh, it really is. So in this episode, Laura and I uncover the intricacies of how she successfully navigates and juggles these significant roles. So her experiences and insights are going to profoundly give you some ideas and valuable takeaways of how you might consider looking at joining a board down the track, or at least understand what that role looks like. So without further ado, let's extend a warm welcome to Laura Boss and invite her to share her incredible insights from board leadership with a purpose. Laura, welcome to the Association Hub podcast. We're thrilled to have you join us for this meaningful conversation today. Hello and welcome. Today I'm joined by the wonderful Laura Boss. Laura, I would love to start off today's discussion by you quickly introducing yourself to all of our listeners so they know what to expect from your expertise today. I'd be delighted, Angela. So my name is Laura Boss and I'm the General Manager of the Strata Community Association for Queensland. I'm also on the board of Small Steps for Hannah. I'm a mother of three 
and a number of fur babies. So I always count them as my family. And I am a, a passionate advocate for equality as well and have served on on a number of boards, particularly in the the women's equality sector. But that's pretty much it. Do you know, I've never not known you to be busy. Laura, I remember we met probably about about six years ago. And I remember at the time you telling me all the things you're involved with, but I love that your fur babies got elevated there. Like I find, yeah, they just make you feel so good after such a crazy day going home to them. They do. And look, and if I don't elevate them, I assure you they elevate themselves. So the, <laughs> the cats are particularly evil, um, but the dogs definitely don't um, let a moment go by where I do not know that they are right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. All right. Well, look, I thought today what we could use uh, what we could use our time for is to really explore your expertise on the dynamics of board leadership and particularly its ties to community service. Now, I know you're at the helm of community strata during the day, but beyond that, you've been instrumental in shaping small steps for Hannah from the ground up as a founding board member. Now, a lot of us know the story of why this charity was formed. So it tugs on a lot of heartstrings. So I'd really love to understand balancing your full-time role and your board duties, what inspired you to actually take on this position alongside your day job? I was tapped on the shoulder to come and join the inaugural board for Small Steps for Hannah. And I think like everybody who knows the story of Hannah Clark and the, and the Clark family and, and the beautiful babies there, I remember exactly where I was when all of this happened. I was driving down the coast and I remember hearing on the radio about a fire in a car. And you just have this instinct that something's not right. And then as the morning progressed, of course, we started to learn the horrors of what had happened. And at the time, I'd been doing a lot of work with Minister Farmer on domestic and family violence uh, through my role uh, with Clubs Queensland. So I was the government relations and communications manager for Clubs Queensland. So we'd been doing a lot of work in that space. And obviously through that had got to know quite a lot of people. We'd done some really groundbreaking, I guess, communication and marketing programs that all sat around, you know, looking at our role as an association and our membership and how our membership can support people going through it. So I got tapped on the shoulder to come on board and to to be involved. And of course, there was no way I was not going to do this because that was it for me. Like the rest of Australia, it was very much a line in the sand moment. I wanted to understand how this could happen and I wanted to understand how I could stop it and be a part of stopping it. Mm. But I also just wanted to support some of the most amazing people that I've had the opportunity to meet in my life and be able to do something positive for them that gave them a reason to get up in the day. You know, mm. I, as a mother and a parent, I could not even contemplate and I don't understand what Sue and Lloyd have been through because I, I have not been in their shoes. And I can I see it, I've seen it, but for me it was very much around this has to stop. And if there's one thing that I am determined to do, it is to start to stop this from from happening. So that was really how it came about. And in the very early phases, I was asked to be the inaugural chair, which was a big, um, of the weight of that, I will admit, sat very, very heavily, particularly in that first year of, you know, putting together something that was meaningful for them 
something that would actually have an impact on other people, but also, you know, trying to, you know, grief is a really tough emotion. And, you know, I think in that first year, setting up the foundation, working through the grief, you know, we had COVID going on at the same time and being, you know, being realistic about what it was we could do. And I look back now and see, because I'm still on the board, I stepped off as office chair, but looking where we've come from, because, you know, we did, during my time, we did our first strategic plan. And that's what I brought to the table, which was around, you know, okay, let's, let's look at what we can do and getting something very simple. I'm a big fan of strategy on a page and keeping life simple and making sure that we are actually focusing on the things we can do because it's very easy to get caught up in all of the things. And particularly the domestic and family violence sector has so many organisations doing great things. And I was very fortunate, particularly working with Minister Farmer and being involved in the very first summit on domestic and family violence and and understanding how many wonderful organisations are there. We don't want to replicate it. We wanted to make sure that what we were doing would have the most impact. And I look at it now and I think, yeah, we we absolutely nailed it. And so Mm -hmm. it was about, for me, it was about what skills can I bring in, having worked in associations, having set up foundations, which I've done before for disability, housing, organisations and, you know, all of those sorts of things. So I'm quite familiar with the machinations of it. But for me, it was around making it make sense. So I'm a, I'm a brand marketer and a strategic marketer by trade. Mm. And for me, it's what is our brand? What is our brand promise? And how can we deliver on it? Making sure we can deliver on it from that business perspective, but equally making sure that as a, the people involved, we're managing their expectations and managing the expectations of, of the public as well. Yeah. Well, you really were up against so many hurdles, but I love that you articulated that you weren't there to replicate a model that already existed. You were there to make an impact. You were there to enhance it. And this is what I love about the association space and our ties to community. It really allows people with these really deep seated passions like you to, to step up and go, all right, how do I bring my passion for purpose with that business strategy together because at the end of the day it's all about making that biggest impact how do we get everybody to understand what this looks and feels like and what are those safety boundaries we can create that they know they can access I mean look we all see it in the association space and I think having that lens through which to look at an organization is really important I actually think you know association CEOs make great board members because we've been at the other end of of all of this and we've you know we spend a lot of time uh, steering our own associations in directions and working with boards of volunteers mostly who come on board and you know for all different reasons and so when you become a board member yourself you actually you will I hope and I hope all my colleagues out there in association land who who are on boards don't become the very thing that we don't we don't like <laughs> I, I work in strata and I often say to to my board don't become body corporate managers or boards you know because <laughs> you know you you know what happens on the other end so you know let's all try and you know elevate this and I think that's where we have some really good skills and we you know, we see what happens when volunteers get really enthusiastic and they all want to do all the things and, 
you know, where resources are really tough and particularly in not-for-profit land and particularly in, you know, well, it's profit for purpose. And and one of the things that I always bring to these boards is that, you know, not-for-profit is not a target, it's a tax status. And so there is nothing wrong with making money because as long as we're putting that money towards delivering services and delivering more for whatever foundation, whatever purpose it is that we serve, that is the most important thing. And I think there's this, we bring a lot of that to the table. And so for me, it's always about managing the volunteers and their expectations and a lot of them, like I said, so enthusiastic, but let's bring it back to something that we can achieve. What is achievable? What does the first three years look like? What can we do? There's nothing wrong with having a big, hairy, audacious goal, but let's make sure it is something that we can actually strive for and is achievable because there is nothing worse than setting something that you just cannot do for a whole host of reasons. Mm-hmm. And be honest about the operations. If you're, you know, volunteers, they don't have a lot of time. And we're oh. volunteers as board members too. So it's about managing managing that. Yeah. But the other thing I think that we bring to the table as associations, CEOs and and people who are involved in the operations of, of this is that reminder about corporations law and that irrespective of whether you are a charity, whether you are on a body corporate, whether you're on all of these, anything that is to do with a board, you know, you do have fiduciary responsibilities. And, you know, and I think that I know I have had to work very hard on governance, particularly with with boards over the years. And I think that, you know, that is something we bring that knowledge to the table and, and we can support the board and support chairs and those in executive roles and our CEOs in making sure that we are practicing good governance because the, you know, not-for-profit space has copped a lot of flack over very bad governance. Mm. We have other people's funds, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, as a charity, we are raising money. We have a fiduciary obligation to ensure those monies are expended correctly and that we are on purpose and we stick to the stick to the game plan so I think we bring a lot to the table that because we see it from the other side mm, and I love that you speak about bringing that experience of working within the association space what that looks and feels like because we always we're quick to comment on things that we see that we don't love or we don't feel like a cohesive in that leadership space but looking at how do you then use those takeaways to create good conversations, solid boards that actually want to work together for purpose. And when you highlighted that, that is such a key thing. But I'm keen to just delve a little bit more into how do you handle the demands of your day job and the board commitments? Because this is something I hear a lot from people who are very keen to want to jump on and help out as a board role, but they're trying to understand where does their commitment lie between the two. Do you think maybe you could share some insights to help let those people know what that looks like? Yeah, sure. I mean, look, I'd like to come as a good board member. So what does a good board member look like? And I think having that association's background as CEO is really important in that. You know, you read the papers, you come to a board meeting prepared to contribute. You come and you ask the hard questions when you when you need to. And in a charity, charitable foundation, I like to make sure that I give time 
So what does that mean? I will often speak on behalf of the clerks when they can't go to things, but on behalf of the foundation on the work that we do, I like to be present and engaged. And so managing that time is important. I mean, I'm fortunate we don't have voluminous amounts of board papers to read through. I I think our board and the, the um, composition of our board is terrific in that regard. So you know, I think um, we make sure that we have quite structured meetings and the volume is enough for us to be, be able to make good decisions. So, but I think you've got to balance that time and you need to be realistic about what that, that looks like. So for me, my board here that I report to as an association member are very supportive of my role. And I think having those honest conversations with your own boards and your own reporting lines about you know, this is important and it's also good for the association as well. Yeah. So I, I don't back away from the fact that me being on another board and particularly a board that has community at heart is a great thing for my association because A, I get to have so many more conversations about the work we do, but also I get to bring insights back on very different things. And so Juggling the time is important. And the first thing is to be, you know, quite upfront about it. You know, I don't have a conflict here. So, and I think that's always a really important thing to consider. Make sure that any board you step onto is complementary but not conflicted because uh, that will present mm. problems. But uh, I think there's much more of a movement with organisations genuinely wanting to support their people to be involved in organisations that are, are giving back. Because it shows it's this more meaning and it adds, I think it adds a beautiful colour yeah. to the complexion of your own offering as a um, CEO to any board. Yeah. Because you come with different perspectives and you also come armed with situations that you've seen that you can handle a lot better. So in terms of my time, which was the original question, welcome to <laughs> what was me, the circle of conversation that is Laura Boss. Um, coming back to the original question, I just make it happen. It's important to me. What I can say to you is if it is important to you, you will make it happen. And this is something that I say to anybody listening really strongly. Do not get on a board if it's not what you are passionate about because you will not make the time to do it. I have done it myself and I have made the very hard decision to get off a board because I realised that I'm not contributing. I'm not adding any value. I am there to add value. And because, you know, boards, particularly when you've got an association, that they need their volunteers and they need people who are really passionate about what is going on and, mm-hmm. and improving and making it better. If you're, you're not, you won't put in the time. So that is my That's absolute great advice. Yeah, That's I love that. You know, and, and that is the reality of it when it comes to it is is understanding where do your passions lie. Wow. I, I mean, look, I love the work you do. I would love to ask you as we wrap up, what, I mean, I know you've already covered a lot of these, but if you could give some very basic actionable tips for those who are looking to adapt and thrive in this dynamic landscape, what would you share with them? Oh, goodness. There's a couple of pieces of advice. The first thing I always think of is it's very easy in our landscape to get caught up in what I call the color of the napkins. The stuff that isn't important, it's not strategic. My first question I always ask if presented with an issue, and and I don't necessarily verbalize it, but it's in my head, is anybody going to die over this? 
So is this issue something that is yep. important? Because, you know, and, and actually really thinking through that pragmatically and guiding the board through that. So, you know, look, it's important, but it's not critical. Can we just park it? Let's sit on it for 24 hours. I also have that rule. Do not respond immediately. We love that rule. Do not understand. Yeah, do not respond when at heightened emotions because it takes you down a scary pathway sometimes. It does. It does. And so when you're dealing, you know, as a board member, but also as a CEO, you know, there's a lot of passion, particularly in organizations that are purpose driven. There's a lot of passion there. And what somebody else thinks is really important, it actually isn't. And so I tend to try and sit back, just breathe, and then then respond pragmatically. Mm. The other thing I would say is pick the hill you want to die on. You don't need to pick up the sword for everything. And that has been something I have had to learn the hard way. You know, I have picked up the bat to really push for issues that, you know, genuinely weren't important. That That's a lesson in life. And, and you know, you learn learn from those. When it comes to actually looking at board roles, genuinely consider what you're passionate about. That is my absolute advice. Do not step into something for the sake of being on a board. I think there's been this real push for boards to be, you know, that's the pinnacle of your career. I can remember when nobody wanted to be on a board, you know, boards were just these, these things. And now we've elevated them into, it's like this rock star status when the bottom line is it's all just the hard, it's hard, the hard yards. Yeah, there are fiduciary responsibilities and you need to understand that. Don't get on a board if you're not prepared to lose your house. That's what I always say because it's you have fiduciary duties as board members and it's really important you understand that and understand the governance that sits around that because it's not just a line on your LinkedIn profile. It mm. means a lot more than that. And, you know, you've got ASIC rules, corporations law, all of these things that you need to understand And, you know, when you are working with a lot of volunteers who are far less experienced than you, because in associations land, we are probably the most experienced in dealing with some of this, they will lean on you. And you've Mm. got to also know where that starts and stops as well. So you protect your time, you ensure that you are, you know, there are boundaries in place and that you've got the right delegations in place for your own CEOs, all of the things that we need. And that we would expect from our boards are for ourselves. Make sure that you're supporting the CEOs in your associations or that you're a board member of with all of those same things. So don't that's that role reversal. That's it. Don't become that board member. Yeah. Yeah. Be supportive and a board member as well. And but don't be afraid to ask the hard questions too. There's no stupid question, I assure you. Yeah, I love that. But contribute because what I will say, purpose organisations need more associations, people involved with them. Yeah, I would agree with that. So follow your passion. Make sure you choose a board that aligns with your passion because that will ensure that you turn up and you make time. Get that transparent buy-in of your of your organisation. Make sure they understand where your values lie because it's that crossover benefit. And I loved the one where you said, what was the analogy you used? Choose your hill to... Um, yeah, choose which hill you want to die on. Well, don't... <laughs> it's very dramatic, but I'd love to say that's more about choose your positioning and make sure your passions are aligned. Well, it, it, yeah, it is It is that. And it's about really not, not sweating small stuff. 
I yeah. think that's probably the other word. Like uh, we can get really, particularly when we're passionate about something, yep. you can get really fixated. And But remember, you know, in a, as a board, you are being strategic. And yep. so it's around, you know, not getting caught up in something really little, but making sure that you are being strategic and, and adding adding that value. You know, like in a startup board, there's been a number of things where I've just gone, okay, I just need, you know, to let it go because really we might be taking a little bit of a zinc task, but is it impacting the brand in a bad way? No. Is it going to, you know, do any further reputational harm? No. Does it create the impact? Maybe not, but we're moving in the right direction. But most importantly, most importantly, is it also good for Sue and Lloyd? And yeah, it is. And for them, it's been a massive learning curve as well. And they have stepped into it under incredibly difficult circumstances. And I I like to think it's because they've had a really supportive board in us behind them, guiding them, hugging them, crying with them, laughing with them, but also helping them to achieve the impact that we wanted to. You know, when we started out three years ago, our strategic plan was literally three things set up the foundation as primarily a funder for other projects because we recognised we had a good story there that um, we could use to raise funds to support other D- DFB charities doing work. We aren't educators, but there are other people out there doing things and that was part of what we wanted to do. Uh, Hannah's Sanctuary set up somewhere that you know DFB victims could go to and have coercive control legislated in Queensland. Mm. We've done all you've three. Ticked, you've ticked three them all. Years. Yeah, yeah. You have really do it. So Congratulations! Be prouder. Couldn't yeah. be prouder. And it was just simply sticking to something simple, doing what we knew how to do, getting the right people around the table, and off we go. Yeah, I love it. I I am enthralled with your commitment to this because it touches on every every facet of community. Thank you for stepping up to take on this role and thank you so much for sharing this with our listeners today because getting the insides of these these journeys is really important because we want to elevate these stories so that people can then choose to to follow similar pathways, follow those passions. So, Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been my pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe. And if you'd like to join the conversation, reach out to us at associationhubpodcast.com. You can also find out more at answers.net.au and memberboat.com.au. Until next time, stay curious.